this is Kenya, and welcome to my Magical Cottage Core Life. Today we're going to do some much-needed working in our homes. There's a time of year between Christmas and New Year's that just lends itself to a task that many people put off. Because we've pulled everything out of storage, like decorations for the house. Oh, my cats are getting into it. You hear them in the background. So because everything's been pulled out as far as decorations for the Christmas time season, or solstice season, depending on what you celebrate, we've had a chance to open up our hope chests and storage areas in the house. So because so much has been unstacked and unpacked, this is the perfect time to do a very special kind of inspection. So open up your big book of stuff and turn to the section on textiles and storage. Because right now, we're about to get into quilt inspections in winter. Let's get started. several different kinds of quilts. Of course, there's the traditional quilt that has the batting and the layers, you know, the inside and has the top and whatever pattern that you please with the quilting stitches. And that's the one most people know. Some other people buy pre-made quilts and they're not, I don't want to say they're not real quilts, but they're pre-manufactured, prefabricated quilts. They don't have a backing. They have that weird acrylically acrylicy interfacing feel kind of stuff in the back that's not really the kind of quilt that I'm talking about so if that's what you have you can do this inspection but it's really not the same thing of course quilts can be made of many different materials the most common is cotton but not all quilts are cotton believe it or not some are linen alright so before we start that if you don't know the difference, this is a good time to pause this recording and go look it up. But I will say this, if you have a linen quilt or linen topped quilt, usually it's because it was made of necessity to be that. It's not very strong, more than likely. It's probably made for summer because there are summer quilts and there are winter quilts. They're different kinds. I'm not gonna make this episode on every type of quilt we're going to stick to inspections, but we may do a quilt episode also. Since you've now had time to unpack everything for the season, and you were dusting and cleaning for the holidays anyway, more than likely, being able to spread this quilt out is probably going to be quite easy because it's not stored up under a lot of other things. Of course, that is also if you're not already using your quilts because it's winter, because this is the time that many people take quilts out. When we're doing our inspections, we're going to do every one of the quilts in the house. That means the baby quilts, to the lap quilts, to the bed quilts. That means 
that if the quilt is in a box, it needs to come out of the box. If it's in a bag, it needs to come out of the bag. And we're going to take a good long look at it. It's been very dark, but we're past the solstice now. So the sun is beginning to be a little bit longer. I mean, not by much over the last few days, but considerably so in comparison to what it was. You're going to air out your home very well before you do this because there's probably going to be a lot of dust if there's any quilts you haven't used for a while. And you're going to need a nice clean surface to lay those quilts on, preferably a, a dining room table or some other material like a, a huge board that you can look at this quilt. Make sure this, that the top of the table is already clean and if possible have a different cloth on top of the table itself to keep the quilt from being snagged on anything that might be on its surface. It also protects it from stains from any oil that may be on the surface as well. For this particular exercise, you're also going to need yourself to have your sewing basket out. If you have a well-stocked sewing basket, this is easy. If you just have a small kit, it's a little bit more difficult, but you can definitely do it. You're going to definitely want to make sure you have some straight pins or quilting pins in there as well, because if you have to do some major repairs, you have to hold things in place. While you're doing this, also make sure you will not be interrupted for at least an hour because you want to be able to do everything at one time per quilt. Give yourself time. Give yourself space. Make sure whoever is handling this quilt, especially if it's an older quilt, knows how not to destroy the item because you'd be surprised how many people want to start pulling on things and then unravel thread or they rip something that never should have been pulled on. Especially when they're older, they think they can try to fix something and then they destroy it. We don't want to have any tragedies. If there are younger children there and you have them, give them some gloves so they don't start picking at things. Especially if the quilts are antique because everyone knows when you're handling antique quilts, the more oil you get from your fingers on them, the more damage you're doing to them. Some people just hang quilts. They have them for a displayer collection. So that's why I'm saying that. The main thing you are looking for in this inspection is to make sure that there are no bites from any kind of mop or carpet beetle or bug. That's the big thing. Or mouse. When winter comes, all of these critters come inside and you can run the cleanest house in the county. It doesn't matter. There's always the opportunity that on that day or on this year, something can get into your home and get into your objects. This is one of the reasons it's so important to try to store things properly when we put them away. 
whether cedar balls or mothballs or in a cedar chest, wrapping them in paper and linen. It's up to you how you do it. You may add bay leaves and cedar together in a layer. It depends on how hard you're trying to keep them. But keep in mind, if you put cedar chips in there or cedar balls, make sure that they do not have oil on them. Some people put additional oil on them and that could damage your quilt. You need to check over the entire quilt. That's from edge to edge, top to bottom. Make sure that there are no bug bites. Make sure there's no bugs. Make sure there's nothing in between the stitches because it only takes one carpet beetle to do some damage. Have somebody help you, or if you're strong enough, shake the quilt out thoroughly, thoroughly, just to make sure. Hopefully, everything is as it was when you put it away. This is especially important with quilts we don't use every day. But what if there are bites? What if there are bugs? What if something did take a nibble? Now it's time to disinfect your quilt. There are several ways to do this. Some just launder them, some take them to the cleaners. Others will actually wash them in bluing in order to make sure that they get rid of whatever it is that was nibbling to get rid of it. Preferably with a bit of a the appropriate temperature of water. I've even heard some people use ammonia. So it's up to you what you use. You know the material of your quilt, so act accordingly. Once you've laundered it and made sure that anything has been removed from it, it's time to start your repairs. Sometimes it's a small thing and you can do a few stitches just to close it up. Other times you might want to embroider a small hole you know, if you know how to do embroidery, you can edge a small hole to make it look almost like an eyelet hole, rather decorative. If it's a very large piece of damage, now you have a choice to make. You're either going to make a patch, you're going to replace it completely, you're going to add an applique, or if necessary, you may have to completely replace that, that square. Only you know what you're going to decide to do. But if you're not going to do it that day, the best thing to do is to make sure you have a quilting pin and a small swatch and put it over where the damaged areas are as you inspect the quilt. Don't rely on memory to go back to remember where all the holes were if the quilt is damaged. That way, you'll have all the places marked. And if necessary, you can put the quilt away for another day when you can repair it if there's several quilts to be inspected. this is going on, don't forget to take time to inspect the place where you are storing the quilt. If it's undamaged, just a good once over to make sure that everything is still in order is good. If it has been damaged, now it's time to see where whatever it was that damaged it actually accessed the quilt. If it were a vermin, then what you want to do is look through there, see if there's some holes 
or some cracks in it where the vermin got in. You may have to either replace the container or you may have to have it rebuilt if it's something that's heirloom, like repaired by a craftsperson. If, for whatever reason, it got water damage and it's going to have to have a stain removal, once that's done and undertaken and you've done it yourself or sent it to someone to be done, you're going to have to look at the uh, container and see if the container has been permanently compromised or if the water damage came from being placed in an unfortunate area. The container must be repaired or replaced so that the damage does not happen again. If the container is an heirloom, like a hope chest, then what will have to happen is that you will have to take it to a craftsperson to examine to make sure it has not been warped to the point that it is unusable. While doing these inspections, do not forget that it is equally important to examine your quilting square stash. Many people have a quilting basket or a quilting box or cabinet that contains many pieces of material, whether they be squares you purchased at the fabric store or old clothes that you've cut to size or pieces of old clothes you've just cut up in order to cut later for a quilt. You want to make sure that these are all in good order, following the steps that we've already gone over. Also, this is the time to see if anything has become discolored. Sometimes when we store things, if there's more sunlight on one part of it than the other, it will bleach. If that has happened, you need to cover the part that has been bleached by the sun with other materials, whether it be poster board or cloth, pillowcases, and then let the other part that has not been bleached by the sun stay in the sun for a while. If you do not have enough sun to do this for a few days, then make a note of it in your log. You should have a little card or a little note inside your quilting box to let you know that you need to bleach this when the sun gets a little stronger later in the year so that it can match up. Some things can't be repaired, but if we catch them early enough, they won't get as bad as they could be. Another thing you need to watch out for is stitching. If the original basting is still there, which usually it's not, I mean sometimes it is, but usually not, then you know, check it, make sure it's fine, it's not unraveling. Check your stitches, make sure your quilt is sound. Make sure the thread is not rotting. Make sure the stitches are not tearing. If anything needs to be cinched up a little bit, cinch it up. If there are parts where the thread has come loose, stitch it up. Make sure that if you do not have the correct color of thread, that you either use invisible thread, that's my cat, use invisible, what is it Fluffy? You use, use invisible thread, or a neutral tone so that you can actually match the material better. If you do not have it, stick a pen in it with a note in your little box that you need to come back and stitch it up. But always put a pin where there's a need to repair stitching. Preferably you can do each quilt in one day. If not, 
roll it up, leave the pins in place so you can find those places again and come back to it. Don't use the giant pins, use the smaller ones so that you do not harm yourself. If you are a quilt maker, it is my strongest recommendation that you make sure you have additional materials of the same color and patterns that you do not use in your quilt that you keep expressly for the purpose of patching your quilt in the future. You know, I know we don't like to call them patches, but in essence, many of the pieces that we use could be seen as patches. So a patchwork quilt is very much a patchwork of patches. We don't stand on being kind of funny here. We're not bougie. Although you could make a bougie quilt. But it would be up to you. And I personally am always on the hunt for some good patterns. I even had a cow shaped pattern one time. It was a blue material that had laughing cows all over it. It was great. I don't remember what happened to it though. You know, that tends to happen when you move from place to place. Sometimes the only thing we have are pieces of dreams and patches of memories. Let's get back to the episode though. grandmother had quilts. That's my daughter's great-grandmother. She had such beautiful quilts and she passed them on to my biological mother. The mother who raised me, my mama, my foster mother, if you will, had quilts that were passed on to her as well. Quilts are a part of the family heritage and sometimes our personal story. So taking care of them can be very important. It's kind of like a part of your story. My uncle, he paints, so the paintings he makes are like quilts of his artistic vision, but in brushes and strokes and paints instead of stitches and scraps and threads. And he's given them to almost every member of the family that's close to him. Of course, I don't have one, but that's okay because I'm not close to him like that. It's one of the things about being foster. You kind of get used to that kind of thing. It's not personal. But I did so much want to have one of my great my grandmother's quilts to give down to her great-granddaughter. It didn't happen, though. So in her memory, we will be making a quilt this year, and we'll pass that one down. Once you've gone through all of your quilts, you've made a notation on the condition of all of them, you've decided what you can patch and what you cannot, it's time to do the work of restoring, laundering, folding and putting away, or putting back on the beds if it's cold for you here. Quilts are 
something unique in that they can go from generation to generation and unlike a bedspread, they're seen not so much as a utilitarian item as more so something that carries family soul to it. You know what I mean? There's something about bundling up in a quilt that you've known that was made by somebody on a cold winter's night that you might not see anywhere else. I do miss that. I miss having quilts in my life like I used to, which is why we will be making some more here. I like to patch together memories and stories, so I will enjoy patching together a quilt from clothing that has brought us joy over the years with my daughter and creating a new quilt and a new tradition. I also like patching together these episodes into times with you. I feel like these episodes come together in a tapestry, not necessarily a quilt though. I love spending time with my friends here and we've made a great space, you and I. We're friends, right? We can agree that we've made a great space together. And I look forward to joining you here and again next time on my Magical Cottagecore Life. Keep stitching.